welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. Although those loving qualities has not dominated the collective consciousness of mankind in ages, these are now shifting times, and a new dispensation is upon us. And with our knowledge and understanding of the living God that dwells within us, our mighty I Am Presence, and utilizing the power of our loving energy, those loving qualities can again begin to rule the collective consciousness. But we must choose. Less love and more hate leads to darkness and calamity for the individual, the collective, and Mother Earth. However, when we choose to utilize our loving energy, we will begin to see positive changes in our individual lives and the world. Miraculous even. Those that we all talk about and hope for. But understand this, y'all. As hard as it may be for some, it is a definite that love must be the pillar. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light. And y'all be loved. Concerning the heaven. The heaven is the circumference of things created, both visible and invisible. For within its boundary are included and marked off both the mental faculties of the angels and all the world of sense. But the deity alone is uncircumscribed, filling all things, and surrounding all things, and bounding all things, for he is above all things, and has created all things. Since, therefore, the scripture speaks of heaven, and heaven of heaven, and heavens of heavens, and the blessed Paul says that he was snatched away to the third heaven, we say that in the cosmogony of the universe we accept the creation of a heaven which the foreign philosophers, appropriating the views of Moses, call a starless sphere. But further, God called the firmament also heaven, which he commanded to be in the midst of the waters, setting it to divide the waters that are above the firmament from the waters that are below the firmament. And its nature, according to the divine Basilius, who is versed in the mysteries of divine scripture, is delicate as smoke. Others, however, hold that it is watery in nature, since it is said in the midst of the waters, others say it is composed of the four elements, and lastly, others speak of it as a fifth body, distinct from the four elements. Further, some have thought that the heaven encircles the universe and has the form of a sphere, and that everywhere it is the highest point, and that the center of the space enclosed by it is the lowest part, and, further, that those bodies that are light and airy are allotted by the Creator the upper region, while those that are heavy and tend to descend occupy the lower region, which is the middle. 
The element, then, that is lightest and most inclined to soar upwards is fire, and hence they hold that its position is immediately after the heaven, and they call it ether, and after it comes the lower air. But earth and water, which are heavier and have more of a downward tendency, are suspended in the center. Therefore, taking them in the reverse order, we have in the lowest situation earth and water, but water is lighter than earth, and hence is more easily set in motion. Above these on all hands, like a covering, is the circle of air, and all round the air is the circle of ether, and outside air is the circle of the heaven. Further, they say that the heaven moves in a circle and so compresses all that is within it, that they remain firm and not liable to fall asunder. They say also that there are seven zones of the heaven, one higher than the other. And its nature, they say, is of extreme fineness, like that of smoke, and each zone contains one of the planets. For there are said to be seven planets, Sol, Luna, Jupiter, Mercury, Mars, Venus, and Saturn. But sometimes Venus is called Lucifer and sometimes Vesper. These are called planets because their movements are the reverse of those of the heaven. For while the heaven and all other stars move from east to west, these alone move from west to east. And this can easily be seen in the case of the moon, which moves each evening a little backwards. All, therefore, who hold that the heaven is in the form of a sphere, say that it is equally removed and distant from the earth at all points, whether above, or sideways, or below. And by below and sideways I mean all that comes within the range of our senses. For it follows from what has been said, that the heaven occupies the whole of the upper region and the earth the whole of the lower. They say, besides, that the heaven encircles the earth in the manner of a sphere and bears along with it in its most rapid revolution sun, moon, and stars, and that when the sun is over the earth it becomes day there, and when it is under the earth it is night. And, again, when the sun goes under the earth it is night here, but day yonder. Others have pictured the heaven as a hemisphere. This idea is suggested by these words of David, the singer of God, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain, by which word he clearly means a tent, and by these from the blessed Isaiah, who hath established the heavens like a vault, and also because when the sun, the moon, and stars set, they make a circuit round the earth from west to north, and so reach once more the east. Still, whether it is this way or that, all things have been made and established by the divine command and have the divine will and counsel for a foundation that cannot be moved. For he himself spoke and they were made. He himself commanded and they were created. He hath also established them for ever and ever. He hath made a decree which will not pass. The heaven of heaven, then, is the first heaven which is above the firmament. So here we have two heavens, for God called the firmament also heaven. And it is customary in the divine scripture to speak of the air also as heavens because we see it above us. Bless him, it says, all ye birds of the heaven, meaning of the air. For it is the air and not the heaven that is the region in which birds fly. So here we have three heavens, as the divine apostle said. But if you should wish to look upon the seven zones as seven heavens, there is no injury done to the word of truth. For it is usual in the Hebrew tongue to speak of heaven in the plural, that is, as heavens, and when a Hebrew wishes to say heaven of heaven, he usually says heavens of heavens, and this clearly means heaven of heaven, which is above the firmament, and the waters which are above the heavens, whether it is the air and the firmament, or the seven zones of the firmament, or the firmament itself which are spoken of in the plural as heavens according to the Hebrew custom. All things, then, which are brought into existence are subject to corruption according to the law of their nature, and so even the heavens themselves are corruptible. But by the grace of God they are maintained and preserved. Only the deity, however, is by nature without beginning and without end. 
wherefore it has been said, they will perish, but thou dost endure. Nevertheless, the heavens will not be utterly destroyed. For they will wax old and be wound round as a covering, and will be changed, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. For the great part, the heaven is greater than the earth, but we need not investigate the essence of the heaven, for it is quite beyond our knowledge. It must not be supposed that the heavens or the luminaries are endowed with life. For they are inanimate and insensible. So that when the divine scripture saith, Let the heavens rejoice and the earth be glad, it is the angels in heaven and the men on earth that are invited to rejoice. For the scripture is familiar with the figure of personification, and is wont to speak of inanimate things as though they were animate, for example, the sea saw it and fled, Jordan was driven back. And again, what ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest? Thou, O Jordan, that thou was driven back? Mountains, too, and hills are asked the reason of their leaping in the same way as we are wont to say, the city was gathered together, when we do not mean the buildings, but the inhabitants of the city. Again, the heavens declare the glory of God, does not mean that they send forth a voice that can be heard by bodily ears, but that from their own greatness they bring before our minds the power of the Creator, and when we contemplate their beauty, we praise the Maker as the Master Craftsman. Nicene and Post-Nicene Fathers, Series 2, Volume 9, John of Damascus, Exposition of the Orthodox Faith. is but the successor of the Egyptian Shnappus, the good serpent with a lion's radiating head, and was held from days of the highest antiquity as an emblem of wisdom, or Tith, the instructor and savior of humanity, the son of God. O men, live soberly, win your immortality exclaims Hermes, the thrice great Trismegistus. Instructor and guide of humanity, I will lead you on to salvation. Thus the oldest sectarians regarded office, the Agatha demon, as identical with Christos, the serpent being the emblem of celestial wisdom and eternity, and, in the present case, the antitype of the Egyptian Shnappus serpent. These Gnostics, the earliest of our Christian era held that the supreme Eon, having emitted other Eons out of himself, one of them, a female, Pronikos, concupiscence, descended into the chaos, whence, unable to escape, she remained suspended in the mid-space, being too clogged by matter to return above and not falling lower where there was nothing in affinity with her nature. She then produced her son Ildabath, the god of the Jews, who, in his turn, produced seven eons, or angels, who created the seven heavens. In this plurality of heavens, the Christians believe from the first, for we find Paul teaching of their existence, and speaking of a man caught up to the third heaven, 2 Corinthians 12 2. From these seven angels Ildabath shut up all that was above him, lest they should know of anything superior to himself. They then created man in the image of their father, but prone and crawling on the earth like a worm. But the heavenly mother, Pronikos, wishing to deprive Ildabath of the power with which she had unwittingly endowed him, infused into man a celestial spark, the spirit. Immediately man rose upon his feet, sword in mind beyond the limits of the seven spheres, and glorified the supreme father, him that is above Ildabath. Hence the latter, full of jealousy, cast down his eyes upon the lowest stratum of matter, and begot a potency in the form of a serpent, whom they, the Ephites, call his son. Eve, obeying him as the son of God, was persuaded to eat of the tree of knowledge. 
H.P. Blavatsky It is a self-evident fact that the serpent of the Genesis, who appears suddenly and without any preliminary introduction, must have been the antitype of the Persian arch-devs, whose head is Ashmoy, the two-footed serpent of lies. If the Bible serpent had been deprived of his limbs before he had tempted woman unto sin, why should God specify as a punishment that he should go upon his belly? Nobody supposes that he walked upon the extremity of his tail. This controversy about the supremacy of Jehovah between the presbyters and fathers on the one hand, and the Gnostics, the Nazarenes, and all the sects declared heterodox, as a last resort, on the other, lasted till the days of Constantine, and later. That the peculiar ideas of the Gnostics about the genealogy of Jehovah or the proper place that had to be assigned, in the Christian Gnostic pantheon, to the God of the Jews, were at first deemed neither blasphemous nor heterodox is evident in the difference of opinions held on this question by Clemens of Alexandria, for instance, and Tertullian. The former, who seems to have known of Basilides better than anybody else, saw nothing heterodox or blamable in the mystical and transcendental views of the new reformer. In his eyes, remarks the author of the Gnostics, speaking of Clemens, Basilides was not a heretic, i.e., an innovator as regards the doctrines of the Christian Church, but a mere theosophic philosopher, who sought to express ancient truths under new forms, and perhaps to combine them with a the new faith, the truth of which he could admit without necessarily renouncing the old, exactly as is the case with the learned Hindus of our day. Not so with Irenaeus and Tertullian. The principal works of the latter against the heretics, were written after his separation from the Catholic Church, when he had ranged himself among zealous followers of Montanus, and teemed with unfairness and bigoted prejudice. He has exaggerated every Gnostic opinion to a monstrous absurdity, and his arguments are not based on coercive reasoning but, simply on the blind stubbornness of a partisan fanatic. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 16 Beloved of my heart, I wish to bring you an explanation of the angelic host tonight which I trust will remain with you forever, to render its service and give you the assistance to expand your own power of the sacred fire's love to cooperate with the angelic host as powerfully as possible. You must remember that the authority of mankind's embodiment in this world is controlled, and is entirely that of the ascended masters and cosmic beings, all of whom are the angelic host. So regardless of mankind's forgetfulness of the source from whence human beings have come, there must come again into the consciousness of life and the people of this world a full conscious awareness, illumination, comprehension, and understanding of what the angelic hosts mean to life, what they do in this world, and in all worlds, and what they do to control manifestation. Since they are some of the beings who have created this world, whose life and love sustain it, who control it, and who guard it, then the hour is at hand when mankind is going to be compelled to understand the reality and the presence of the angelic host, and the service which their life gives to the manifested universe, in the manifested activities of this world, and everywhere in the universe surrounding this system of worlds. The cosmic beings who are the angelic host to the earth are not only magnificent beyond description, but wield power which mankind's comprehension at the present time cannot understand. 
When you know what it means to draw forth the sacred fire in concentrated action of supreme love, to command to come into existence the blessings and powers of nature that cover a planet, you must surely realize that those same great beings are not only the guardians, but are the governing presence of the life streams that embody in this world. The legions of the angels of the purifying sacred fire who direct the violet-consuming flame to the earth draw the focus of their cosmic action in and around the whole planet. And therefore, at any moment the atmosphere can be parted, the flame rush into the physical octave and take its dominion. The sacred fire of the purifying love of the angelic host never did and never can and never will produce discord. So whatever power is required to come into the physical octave to compel purification, try to remember, no discord is ever directed by those great beings. Beloved Archangel Michael If mankind suffers, it is because of the feeling generated in the emotional body of resistance against the onrushing light and the cosmic sacred fire's authority and power to produce perfection. Therefore, when you call the limitless legions of the angelic host's presence, the sacred fire presence of the angelic host, to enfold a locality or enfold yourselves or enfold your homes, enfold anything in manifestation, rest assured the sacred fire is going to go into action to produce purification whether mankind wants it or not. Where the angelic host appear, the sacred fire must purify. Where purification takes place, the angelic host's love must hold command. When human authority is set aside and consumed, the almighty controlling power of the fire element, the sacred fire from the ascended master's octave, takes command and controls conditions mankind cannot control here nor anywhere else. I trust I am making clear to you tonight the terrific power which the angelic host wield which can come into the physical lower atmosphere of earth, which come in, through, and around mankind and the powers of nature, which can control the forces of the elements. So, as you remember the statement that the mighty Saint Germain gave you in the very beginning of this instruction where he said, I am is the full activity of God, try to remember that the legions of the angelic host's sacred fire love is the full activity of God. And those I am legions are the powerhouse for this ascended master instruction of the mighty I am presence as the mighty Saint Germain has given it to you and to all. This comprehension from the angelic host must come into the consciousness and life of the beings of this world. Whether individuals want it or not has nothing to do with it. When this sacred fire begins to move through the physical bodies of mankind, no one's going to oppose nor argue with this law. So I come to bring you the assurance of the fulfillment of the mighty Saint Germain's statement when he said, you have friends of mighty power. Tonight, I trust I may make clear to you some of the power that the angelic host direct to this world and to this system of worlds, and which can come on an instant's notice into the atmosphere of earth to control all things, without any permission from mankind. The angelic host are not subject to the creation of the humanity of this world. So if you care to feel your oneness with us, acknowledge our sacred fire presence with you. Call our legions of the sacred fires love in and around you and into all conditions with which you are concerned. We can and we will produce mighty miracles of manifestation that will change conditions in the outer world in which you must move. So, I hope we may have your association as we draw this sacred fire nearer into the physical structure of earth to render that service which the angelic host alone can give. And I hope you will become our partners. Applause, audience rising. Thank you so much, precious ones. Won't you be seated please, and just remain so. Beloved Archangel Michael,